And in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is really encouraging the Corinthian church to get behind his effort to help the church in Jerusalem financially. And we've talked about that in previous weeks, how there was this need in the church in Jerusalem. And they were impoverished, and Paul is trying to get these other churches that he has planted to to help them out, to raise some money to give to this church there in Jerusalem. And all those the specifics of this particular situation do not apply to us at all. Uh, we're not helping the church, you know, in Jerusalem at this time. Um, although the specifics do not apply to us, the principles that Paul lays out certainly do. And we've already looked at chapter 8 in previous weeks, and this morning we're going to conclude our look at giving by covering the entirety of chapter 9. And I want us to notice three points in our text. If you're a, a note taker, we're going to see the Corinthians' commitment. We're going to see the proper way to give. And then we're going to see the benefits to giving. And so let's read verses 1 through 5 as we talk about the Corinthians' commitment. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. And so the first thing that we notice is the Corinthians' commitment. And Paul says here that he had been boasting about their willingness, about their desire to the Macedonians. In fact, it was such an encouragement to the Macedonians that the Corinthians were willing to give that it inspired them to give as well. And the church in Macedonia was, was a very poor church. And yet they were even willing to help in this regard. And so now Paul is saying, look, I've already boasted of your willingness to give. And so now it's time to really come forward and give what you promised to give. Because what a shame it would be if your willingness inspired the Macedonians and now you don't come forth and do what you said you were going to do. That would be a shame. Paul says it would be an embarrassment to me. And when he mentions Achaia there, Achaia was the capital of Corinth, so he's just speaking of the church in Corinth. And he's saying that their desire, their willingness had stirred up the majority. It had encouraged the Macedonians, which is a good thing. But their desire, their willingness was not enough. It was great that they had that desire. It was great they had that willingness. That's not being called into question. But the willingness and the desire need to then bring forth the fruit of the gift. It needs to bring forth the fruit of the demonstration of their love. 
And I think that there's a great application here for us. Certainly Paul is speaking about giving. And he's speaking about this specific situation in which they needed to put their money where their mouth was, so to speak. But I think there's a great application for us in that as believers, it's very important for us to keep our word. The Corinthians had made a commitment. They had said they were going to do something. And now they needed to keep that commitment. And as believers, we should have the reputation that when we say something, we're going to do it. The people that we work with, the the people that we associate with, people in our family, they should know that our word means something. When we say it, they shouldn't have in the back of their mind, yeah, well, we'll see if you follow through with that. You're always backing out of stuff. It's a lot better, you guys, for us as believers to say nothing and do nothing than it is to make lofty claims, to have great desire, to say all sorts of things that we're going to do and then yet do nothing. That's a real tragedy. And that's something that shouldn't happen. And that's why we need to be very careful that we pray through commitments. If you're going to step up to commit to something, make sure that A, you've got the time to do it. And B, that God wants you to do it. That way you don't find out later, you know what, I don't have time for this and I don't even think God wants me to do it and I don't even want to do it. And and then you back out of it two weeks later and, and it makes you look bad. It brings shame to the Lord. Or make sure that you really want to give in that way before you make a commitment to give. Don't have to be called or prodded to come forth with what you committed to give. If you commit to something, I think you really need to to pray about and, and seek the Lord that even though it's an inconvenience, even though you may not have the money, that you go ahead and do what you said you were going to do. If it costs you you know, a few Starbucks coffees or, you know, some video rentals for that week or whatever. That you would go ahead and and make that commitment. Or maybe you've got to cut out some other things that you're doing, some hobbies or some other things that aren't as important so that you can keep your word. I think that's an application that comes out of this and It's really at the heart of what Paul is telling the Corinthians. He's saying, look, I'm sending these guys to you because you said you were going to do this. And now it's time for you to do it. And I don't know, maybe there's some commitments that you've made that you've backed out of. And and maybe God's convicting your heart. Maybe you need to follow through with that. I think it's certainly important in the church if you make commitments to to teach Sunday school or to be a part of a ministry or to help out in a certain way that you need to do that. But you guys, I think it's even more important in the world as non-believers would look at your life and they would see, you know, hey, he committed to this. He said he was going to come in early and and help us, you know, get this done at work and, and he didn't do it. Or he said he'd stay late or he said he'd come in on Saturday or 
or she said she was going to come over and help me clean my house and she never showed up. You know, it's not wrong if you don't make the commitment. And I know even as a pastor, it's, it's very easy for me to, to make commitments and, you know, and then not follow through with those things. And, and so, you guys, we, we need to be very careful with the commitments that we're making. And, and it's just better not to say anything if you don't think you can do it. In verses 6 and 7, Paul really shows us the proper way to give. That's the second point I want to look at this morning. The proper way to give. Because certainly there is a wrong way to give. Certainly there is a way in which we can give that is not pleasing to God. Now, it might be pleasing to the people that receive the money. It might be pleasing to the church that you're giving to. They'll still use it. But we want to be rewarded eternally. Not only do we want to see that money used in an earthly situation to meet earthly needs, but we also want to be laying up our treasures in heaven. And in order to do that, you guys, we need to give in the right way, the proper way. And so Paul gives us some characteristics of proper giving. In fact, we're going to see three characteristics of proper giving here in verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Three things about proper giving. First of all, Paul says in verse 6, that our giving should be generous. That it needs to be done generously. And he gives us a very important principle here of sowing and reaping. And the picture is one of a farmer. And back in this time, they didn't have machines that would plant the seed. There would just be a guy out there throwing the seed into the plowed ground. And the guy sowing the seed was not careful at all with how he sowed the seed. It wasn't like he was planting one here and one there and, you know, very tight-fistedly holding on to his seeds, you know. No, this guy would have a bag on his side and he would just be throwing out handfuls of seed. And the more that he sowed in the spring, the more he would reap in the fall. It's a very simple concept. If you put one seed in the ground, you're going to get one crop. But if you put lots of seed out, you're going to reap lots of crops and lots of fruit. And the principle is that we need to be giving generously. Now, generous giving for you might be a lot different than generous giving for me. If you have a dollar to your name, then 50 cents is very generous. But if you're a millionaire, 50 cents is nothing. I don't think God's pleased with a millionaire giving 50 cents. 
And so you see the concept. Generous giving is dependent upon what you have. You remember the widow who gave a couple pennies. And yet Jesus pointed her out. And He said, look at this lady here. Forget all the Pharisees who are giving large amounts. They're giving out of their abundance. I want you to notice this woman. She's giving out of her poverty. That little bit that she gave was all that she had. It was a sacrifice for her. And so I don't know what's a sacrifice for you. I don't know what generous giving is for you. It might be a dollar. It might be $10,000. I don't know. Depends on where you're at. But you need to be giving generously. And there's also another application out of this. And that is that that word bountifully, it means with blessing. And so, really the heart of what Paul is saying here is that it's not how much we give, it's how we give. It's how we give. That we need to be giving with blessing. And with the right heart. And God looks at that and He's pleased. And so the first characteristic of proper giving is generously. That it's done with a generous heart. Not tight-fisted. Second thing, it's down in verse 7. He says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. A second characteristic to proper giving is that it's done purposefully. What does that mean? Well, it means that you decide what you're going to give and that you give that consistently. That you purpose in your heart. Not because somebody is telling you to do that. Not because you had to report your income to a church and and they keep track and, and they send you a notice that says, hey, we haven't been receiving your tithe lately. You know, not because it's a certain percentage. Do you notice that Paul doesn't mention any percentage? And I think it's a misconception that we need to be giving 10% to the Lord. Tithe means 10%. And that's where we get that concept. It's my personal belief that the tithe is an Old Testament, Old Covenant principle. I don't think that we are, as believers in Jesus Christ, that's okay, you okay? Oh, that's okay. (laughs) I don't think that, as believers, we are required to give a certain percentage. I think 10% might be a good place to start. But I don't think that that's our requirement. And so maybe you start with 5%. Maybe that's what you've purposed in your heart to give to the Lord. Or maybe you're giving 50%. I know many people that I've read about that gave 90% as God gave more and more to them. They lived off of the same, but then they continued to give more to God. And so see, 10% is not what we're under. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And so we give what we purpose in our heart. Not the letter of the law, which would be, okay, I, I made 
$586.72. So I'm going to give $58.07 to God. And it's, you know, down to the penny, you know, and calculators out and, you know, it, if 10% is, is what you've determined to give to the Lord, then praise God. Purpose that in your heart and give that to the Lord. Not because you have to tithe. See, the word tithe means 10%. And we call it that. It's on our box back there, tithes and offerings, and it's just sort of a term we use. But the tithe really refers to 10%. And so it's not because you have to. It's because you get to. It's because you want to. And if 10% is what you give, praise the Lord. Give 10%. And if God's leading you to give more, then give more. But it's because you purposed it in your heart to do that. And it should also be done consistently. In this purposing in your heart, that means you're saying, Lord, I'm going to give this to you as the first fruits." And I'm going to give it consistently. Not when it's convenient. Not when it works into my budget. Not after I pay off all the the Christmas bills. But this is yours. This is what I've determined to give to you. And another characteristic of proper giving that we see here is that it should be done happily. He says... That he should purpose in his heart to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, which means by compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. And so, it's not grudgingly. It's not of necessity. Grudgingly. That's sort of like you're writing the check, but you hate doing it. It's just like, oh, man, I've got to give to God again. You know, compulsion. That means it's because you feel like you have to. And that's why I don't understand these churches that will actually call people and ask them, hey, um, you know, we've noticed that your giving's down lately. Um, You know, is there a problem? I mean, I can't imagine what is going through the mind of those leaders that would do such a thing. I don't know where they would find that that's biblical. Because it's what you purpose in your heart. It's, it's what you want to give and it needs to be done happily and not by compulsion. Now, if you're not giving to the Lord, there is a problem with that. But that's something you need to deal with between you and God. Nobody should be calling you. You shouldn't be filling out a report when you become a member of a church to say how much you make and and this is what I'm committing to give. You know, or sometimes churches will will do building projects and they'll have the thermometer out and and people, you know, commit to giving a certain amount. And then if if you don't give that, they're they're on you about it. You know, and calling you and, hey, did you forget you know, and I can understand why they would do that. I just don't think that it's the right thing to do. Because if the person's changed their mind, that's between them and the Lord, and God will deal with them on that. But I wouldn't want them to give because I'm telling them to. 
I wouldn't want them to get out of compulsion and with a grudging heart. And so if you're writing that check, if you're putting that money in to the offering or, or toward a charity or, or helping a family and you really don't want to do it and your heart isn't in it, it's probably best that you don't do it. Because God loves a cheerful giver. You guys, we have to remember that God doesn't need our money. And that's why I've never wanted to give that impression. I mean, there's been many times where the church, you know, isn't doing that well financially. And there's a temptation of mine to, you know, say, hey, um, here's here's what's going on and you guys need to pony up here. And it's a temptation for sure. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that 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 isn't there, but I, I've never felt right about that because I just believe that God will provide. And God will put that on your heart. And God will make it happen. And we don't want it to be with a grudging heart or by compulsion. It, God doesn't need our money. God wants us to partner with Him. God wants us to be involved in what He's doing. And this is one way we can do that. But if it's not with the right heart, then it's probably best that we just keep it. And so this third characteristic of proper giving is that it's done happily with the right attitude, not regrettably, not complaining about it. Not wishing you could go back and take it out of the offering. You know, like the the guy that thought he was putting a ten and he ended up putting a hundred in the offering as it went by and you know he's oh man he sees it's a hundred now and you know he says to the usher hey can I can I get my my hundred back out of there I I only wanted to put a ten in and and the usher said no you know once you put it in it's it's there it's it's God's and and he said well I guess you know I'll get my reward in heaven he said actually you won't because you only wanted to give ten You know, it's like you got nothing out of that deal, you know. And where's our heart? What what are we saying with our attitude as we're giving to the Lord? And so three characteristics of proper giving. Very important that we give with the right heart that we give properly to God so that we are storing up our treasures in heaven. It's kind of sad if, if you're just giving and then not storing it up in heaven, not being rewarded for it eternally, missing out on that eternal blessing. Well, Paul also talks about the benefits to giving in verses 8 through 15. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown 
and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The benefits of giving. The first one is found in verses 8 through 11. And that is that God will supply. I don't think he could have made it any more clear in verse 8. God is able to make all grace. And that grace would speak of provision. Make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. There's a couple things that I think come out of this idea that God will supply as we look at the benefits to giving. First thing is that, you guys, as you give to the Lord, it's a miraculous thing that you see God providing for your needs. Even though you're giving out of maybe what little that you have. Here is your income and here are your bills. And, you know, they're always your outgo is always more than your income. And you've always wondered, how am I going to make this work? And and now you're thinking about giving to the Lord. And it's like, how in the world is this going to work? I don't even have enough to pay the bills that I have. And now I'm going to give even more. But as you're faithful to give to God, you see God providing for you in miraculous ways. Providing enough for you to continue to give to Him. See, that's the principle that Paul lays down here. Notice Paul doesn't say, hey, give to the Lord and you'll be rich. That's what some people want us to believe. Because it sounds really good and it appeals to our flesh. Give me a hundred and God will give you a thousand. And I've always wanted to say, well, why don't you give me the hundred and you'll get the thousand? Let's start with that. See how that works. But this whole principle of that if you give, then God will make you wealthy. That's not biblical. Now, you might be wealthy. And God may choose to continue to give you more and more in terms of financial resources. And if that's true, then praise God. He's found you trustworthy with those things. But I think most of us, God knows that if He was to give us a lot of money, it would ruin us. It would cause us to not trust Him. It might even cause us to turn our back on Him. It would pull us away. And so He doesn't want to do that. He knows what's best for us. But what God will do, you guys, He's promised to provide for us. And so as you give to the Lord, He supplies your needs. 
and He supplies enough for you to continue to give. Whatever it is you purpose in your heart. It's an amazing thing. And so if God is putting it on your heart to help that needy family, God's putting it on your heart to give to some charitable organization. If God's putting it on your heart to buy some clothes for a needy family or to, to buy a food basket or whatever God's putting on your heart, He will supply what you need. Whatever you purpose in your heart to give to the Lord and, and to give to the local church, whatever that is that you've purposed in your heart, God sees that and then God matches that gift and gives it back to you. It's an amazing thing. And so, yes, it takes faith, and, and yes, we need to trust the Lord, and, and yes, it's difficult. But in reality, we're giving to the Lord, and then He gives it right back to us. He just promises to supply, to supply all our needs. And it's been amazing for me in, in my adult life, as Andrea and I have just been faithful to give, even when we didn't have much. Faithful to, to sponsor children and faithful to, to give to missions and faithful to give to the church. And there were times where that just didn't make sense at all. And I mean, especially when we first got married. She was 19, I was 21. I didn't even have a job. Looking back on that, it's like really crazy and I think, you know, what if Caitlin comes to me at 19 and says she wants to marry some guy that doesn't have a job? I think I'm going to be too happy about that, you know? It's amazing how things change, how perspectives change, you know? But I was a good guy. I knew I was a good guy. So I don't know that about this other guy. But And I got a job rather quickly. It, it was kind of like I had a job, and then I got laid off, and then we went on our honeymoon. And then I came back and I got my job again. It was kind of cool. But it's been amazing to me just to see God's provision. I remember moving here and, and, uh, and then moving uh, to, to help Pastor Anthony at Calvary Chapel Redmond. And moving out to Redmond, we bought a house. And again, I didn't have a job. I was buying a house and I didn't have a job. And I was thinking, Lord, what in the world are we doing? And I started a, a fruit business in Redmond. No idea what I was doing. Put out money and, you know, took this risk. And I was like scared out of my mind. And But you're kind of committed to it. And what else am I going to do? And I was involved in ministry, but I wasn't being paid. And, and so stepped out in faith. And the next thing I know, this you know, Hokey Joe fruit stand on the side of the road is not only paying my bills, but we're actually doing quite well at it. It doesn't make sense. A couple Costco tents with plywood around the side of it. You know, I remember going to my 10 year reunion and people asked me, so what have you been doing? You know, and well, I went to Bible college and and I'm a pastor and um, you know, I, I've been a pastor for a while and for years I didn't get paid and so I sold fruit on the side of the road. Like, 
you make money selling fruit on the side. I just thought like people did that to make a couple extra bucks, you know, go play lotto or something. You make a living at that. You know, that's crazy. And it's just been amazing to me to see God provide. And as you walk with the Lord and as you're faithful to just trust God, as you're faithful to give when it doesn't make sense, like that widow, God notices that. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus noticed that? I think there's a reason for that. He wants you to know that He'll notice. He doesn't forget. It isn't like we're going to get to heaven and He goes, Oh, you've been given to me all these years? Wow, I overlooked that. You're right. I, I didn't see your file. Sorry. He notices. He takes notice. And He'll bless you for it. God will supply all of your needs. So as you're giving, just remember... It's going to come right back to you. I don't know how that'll be. Maybe it'll be a race. Maybe it'll be a check in the mail. Maybe it'll just be a miracle that you can't explain. That, that happened to Andrea and I not too long ago. There's money in our account that I still don't know where it came from. It's just there. And for like six months, Andrea said, I think it's a bank mistake. And I said, well... It's been six months now. And, you know, I think they would have said something about it. And it's just there. It doesn't make sense. And it's been there. And God does that kind of thing. You know, I remember my parents getting saved. And, and it was one of those situations where they never had any money extra. And then they got saved and they decided to begin giving to the Lord. And it didn't make sense. And yet... God's been faithful. And now my mom's a real estate agent, and, and it's amazing. My mom was a bus driver my whole life. We were totally broke my whole life. And now my mom's a real estate agent, and it's amazing how God's providing for my parents. Now, I wish they would have had some of that money when I was a kid, you know. My mom listens to these CDs, so she'll get a, she'll get a kick out of that. But... Um, but it's just awesome to see God provide. I'm not saying you're going to be rich. You might be just as broke as you are right now. But that gift that you're giving will be supplied back to you. You won't go hungry. Your bills will be paid. You'll be provided for. The other thing that we see about giving is that God is glorified. Another benefit to giving is that God is glorified. He says, for the administration of this service, verse 12, not only supplies the needs of the saints, so it, it's not only practical, not only is going to provide for these needy people, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. And so God is glorified through it. You guys, as people see your faithfulness to give, it shows them Jesus in your life. As people in the world look on and they see, man, 
that guy gives to the Lord. That guy gives to the church. That guy, that lady gives to ministries. That blows them away. Because money has such a grip on their life. They can't imagine giving anything away. And when they see your faithfulness to give, it brings glory to God. See, our whole lives, we were taught that, you know, you need to get a job and you need to provide for yourself and you need to hold on to everything you get and it's all about you and look out for number one. And and everybody has this mentality that they can't wait to get rich. And all these get-rich-quick schemes that are on at like 2 in the morning. You know? I don't know why they're on at 2 in the morning. I guess they can't afford to buy like primetime spots. That, that ought to tell you something right there. But the other thing is, is that they always interview these, these people who are successful. But you never hear the people that failed. You don't hear about the guy that, that forked out his last ninety nine ninety nine to buy this tape set, and now you know he's broke. His house is foreclosed on. You know he lost everything. You don't hear about that guy. You just hear about the the lady that you know. I listened to these tapes, and a week later I was making a million dollars a day. You know, and now I live here, and you know they pan to her big house and swimming pools and. You know, it's come on. Are you trying to tell me that everybody is going to be able to cash in on that? We're all looking for the get rich quick scheme because truly money has that kind of grip on people's hearts. And, and people are looking for the, the next promotion, the next job or winning the lottery. And that's such a pull on people's hearts. But when you show people that money doesn't have that kind of grip on you, when you show people that Jesus is truly number one, it brings glory to God. People see that. That's a tangible way in which they see the reality of Christ in your life. We can talk a lot. We can say how much Jesus means to us. But people want to see it. And this is a way in which they'll see it. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go around announcing what you're giving. But as those opportunities for people to see what you are giving, as those opportunities come for people to notice, it will bring glory to God. And also, Jesus' love is made known, as he says in verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's the key, you guys. That's the key to giving. In all the things that we've said about giving over the last few weeks, this is the key, is that we are giving in response to what Jesus did for us. Because of His indescribable gift. Because of what He did for us. Because He laid down His life. He gave us the greatest gift of all. He sacrificed the greatest sacrifice for us. And so now we give back to Him. You see, we need to understand that our lives belong to Him. That everything we have belongs to Him. People 
will say, well, I've earned my money and I've worked hard and it's mine. Everything we have is a direct result of God's grace. The fact that we have a job, the fact that we have a mind to be able to accomplish the job that we have or a strong back. The ability that we have is from the Lord. The fact that we get paid and not ripped off. The fact that we have the luxuries that we have and we have the blessings that we have. It's from the Lord. And so everything that we have is really the Lord's anyway. And so we're just saying, God, I'm going to give you a portion of what is already yours. That's how we need to look at it. Not like, God, I'm giving you a portion of what's mine. I'm giving you a portion of what's already yours. You see the difference? It's a lot easier to give to God when you realize everything you have is His anyway. If you're giving to Him thinking it's yours, that creates that tight-fisted mentality. Well, this is mine. What do you mean? You know, it's kind of like the toddler mentality. Mine. I'm not giving that to you. Are you crazy? But as you mature and as you grow up, you begin to realize these things really aren't mine. I need to share. And that's what God's calling us to do. Have that mentality because He gave us the greatest gift. And because of that, we give back to Him because of what He did for us. It changes everything when it comes to giving. We're not giving so that He can multiply and make us rich. It's totally the wrong motive. We're not giving so that people will notice. We're not giving because we have to. We're not giving to make our way to heaven. How many people are writing checks even as we speak because they think that will help them get to heaven? Sad. Jesus gave us the gift that gives us entrance to heaven. It was His gift. But now we respond to that. And so it's not by compulsion. It's not religion. It's not trying to find acceptance in the sight of God. We already have that. Now what we're doing is giving back to Him so that more people can hear about Jesus. So that more people are shown the reality of Christ in a very tangible way as their needs are met through the local church, through missions, through soup kitchens, through different ministries. We're giving back to the Lord so that He can bless others. That's how we need to look at it. That's the heart of God. And if you don't have that heart, if you don't have that mindset, and you're not at that place yet, then it's just best if you don't give until you're ready to give with the right heart and in the right way. And then you'll receive those benefits and those blessings, not only here temporally, but in heaven eternally.
as we store up our treasures in heaven. It's an amazing thing. God takes notice. Not just of the big gifts, but of everything we're giving to Him with the right heart. Let's stand and pray together.